0: A listener note, this story is about rape investigations and includes descriptions of sexual violence.
1: Jen Sonato had been waiting for this day for a long time. She'd woken up early, put on her black striped suit, and drove five hours to attend the Louisville Metro Council's Public Safety Committee meeting. The council had called the police to answer questions about their handling of rape cases in the wake of our story about Jen's case. Jen stopped on the way to the hearing to pick up a fellow survivor, another woman who reported a rape to the Louisville Metro Police Department and was also still waiting for answers. The two women, along with Jen's niece, arrived at City Hall together. They got on the elevator with high hopes for what they might expect from the hearing.
2: Hopefully some clarity, accountability, and uh, other um, objective, smart minds to look at things we've all known that are kind of being put out now in the public. The criminal justice system, especially for sexual assault rape victims in Louisville, um, really needs to be revamped. The treatment of victims, shaming them, and most importantly not solving their case or getting any answers.
1: Jen reached for the other women's hands as they walked into the chamber. She was among the last to arrive. By the time she got there, the police were already settled in at the front of the room. Two press people, a few men in suits, and Lieutenant Shannon Lauder, the head of the Special Victims Unit, who'd been called by the council to explain why her department clears so few rape cases by arrest, and so many by exception. The eight Metro Council members in attendance were seated as well, looking out at the room from their elevated seats. And in the audience sat the survivors. Women who had reported a rape to the Louisville Metro Police Department. Women who were inspired by Jen's story to come out and seek their own answers. For most of them, this hearing was as close as they would get to their day in court. This is D.I.G., a podcast from the Kentucky Center for Investigative Reporting and Louisville Public Media. I'm Eleanor Klippenhoff.
0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our regularly scheduled February the 26th, 2020 Public Safety Committee meeting. I'm your chair, Councilwoman Jessica Green. As many of you all are aware, there was a recent uh, report release from uh, one of our local media outlets that highlighted a particular and specific rape case in town, and that also uh, called into questions a little bit of the process. And so. We did invite Lieutenant Lauder. We did invite representatives from the Commonwealth Attorney's Office to be here. And so, first, again, welcome. If you could identify yourself for the record and tell us what your position is at LMPD.
3: Yes, my name is Shannon Lauder. I am a lieutenant with LMPD, and I am the commander of the Special Victims Unit. I'm very grateful that you asked me to be here. I'm very excited to be here. Um, The article that was released that kind of spurred my invite to this meeting um, was... Uh, in the best words possible, very disingenuous and manipulated a lot of statistics. And I'm, the reason I'm excited to be here is to kind of explain those further. And I think that after I get a chance to do that, that you all will feel you know, as confident in what my unit is doing as I
1: am. Over the next hour, Lauder presented a flood of statistics. She described a department that excels at investigating and prosecuting rape cases. She repeatedly accused me of manipulating facts to make LMPD look bad. And she said the media is the reason victims don't trust the police. But she also conceded that the central tenet of our story was correct.
3: We surveyed other like-sized departments, and what we found out was that our numbers were disproportionate. We were closing more cases, prosecution decline than other departments. We were. Um, But it was with good intentions. We were trying to protect victims.
1: During the hearing, Lauder announced a series of changes that the department is making in response to our findings. I'm going to take you through those changes, but first, we have to talk about the statistics.
3: I would love to talk about the statistics.
1: Lauder made some big accusations about the numbers in our story.
3: The article um, and the statistics and the way they were pre- presented were very disingenuous, and um, the statistics were um, manipulated and rattled off in a manner that gave a false perspective on what's really going on in Louisville. So if you'd like me to, I'd love to get
1: into that. So in an effort to clarify the record she rattled off some statistics that gave a very different perspective on what's going on in Louisville. She said in 2017... We had 131 cases opened. Uh, We made arrests
3: in in 25 of those cases. So we had an arrest rate of 19%, and the national standard is 20%. However, we received felony convictions in 12 of those, putting our conviction rate at 9%, where the national standard is 2%. We are getting convictions four and a half
1: times more than the national average. Basically, what's happening here is that Lauder and I are using two different sets of numbers to answer two different questions. I want to know the outcomes of rapes reported to LMPD. To figure that out, I looked at all part one sex crimes reported to LMPD in 2017. That means all rapes and sodomies. I chose that metric because that's what police departments report to the FBI. So it's somewhat standardized across cities. Lauder's stats looked just at how the Sex Crimes Unit investigated felony sexual assaults, meaning rapes, sodomies, and sexual abuse cases. She excluded rapes investigated by the Crimes Against Children Unit. Lauder oversees both units and both handle rape cases. It just depends on the age of the victim. So what we have here are just two different sets of numbers. She looked at a smaller pool of cases and ended up with a higher arrest rate, 19% to my 15%. She also talked about how many of those cases ended with a felony conviction. It seems like what she's saying is that even if a rape charge got dropped, but the felony burglary charge held, for example, that would count in her stats. I wanted to know how many rape and sodomy cases end with convictions for rape and sodomy, which is slightly different. The questions I asked of the data weren't randomly chosen. I talked to experts and advocates and our data folks and modeled it after an award-winning national investigation by Reveal, ProPublica, and Newsy. I want to know, if someone reported a rape to LMPD, how likely is it that the victim will see their perpetrator arrested and convicted of rape? The answers I got are all based on LMPD's own stats and records, which they provided me. The way I see it, Lauder and I may both be correct, just looking at different sets of numbers cut different ways. She does not feel the same way about me.
3: Once you have the numbers in front of you and you go back and read the article, it's just, it's, it's clear that... The author of that article did not have intentions to report the truth or the facts and then when you go and you look at the numbers and you see that we're doing four to five times the national rates it's still not enough we still want to convict more people we still want to be more successful but when you are you are multiplying that many times times the national standard then i know that we can build off of something that we're doing right
1: Louisville Metro Councilwoman Barbara Sexton-Smith was not convinced that the stats Lauder presented were as impressive as they seemed.
0: So based on some of the statistics you were just giving, um, it sounded as though we're shooting to beat the national average, which on one hand sounds great. However, I cannot be the only one in the room that heard that the national standard of 2 percent, that is totally unacceptable. So we not only need to beat the national standard, we need to create an entire new standard. Sexton Smith also pressed Lauder
1: on her claim that the numbers in my story were false.
0: There is an agreement between your testimony today and the article that in 2017, the article stated that nearly half, you had testified at 46 percent, of the cases were closed by exception.
3: Yes, yes. I don't dispute that particular right. statistic from the article. And like I said, we've, we've taken the steps to correct it.
1: Let's talk about those corrective steps. During Wednesday's hearing, Lauder announced a series of changes as a result of our reporting. The first, which she just referred to, actually went to effect months ago, after an initial story I did on this topic in late 2018. That story raised, for the first time, this idea that LMPD was clearing a huge number of rape cases by exception— meaning no arrest was made, but the case was closed out anyway. The FBI lists a number of acceptable reasons that a case can be cleared by exception. Death of perpetrator, extradition denied, victim refused to cooperate. But in Louisville, most of those cases were being cleared by exception, prosecution declined. Christy Gray, the assistant commonwealth attorney who screened most of those cases, explained that to me at the time.
2: A number of the cases, they also contact me to say that the victim has asked them to close the investigation. Um, Most prosecutors' offices don't screen those cases. But again, we do it here because we think there's some benefit. Lauder said
1: LMPD was trying to avoid using the FBI's term, victim refused to cooperate. So instead, they were marking those cases, prosecution declined.
3: LMPD takes a victim-centered approach, and we didn't want to use those terms. We felt that that was blaming a victim when she or he may not be able to move forward at that time. So our solution at that time was that we would then screen that case through a prosecutor, and then they were declining to move forward because the victim did not want to. And so that's why the numbers were skewed. In response to that, we have created a new option to close cases titled Victim Request Case Closure. Uh, That way the cases are closed accurately, but don't blame a victim who can't move forward and participate in
1: her investigation. According to Lauder, that terminology change has solved the problem my story highlighted. Fewer cases will now be cleared by exception. Prosecution declined. In fact, she said in 2019, after implementing this change, only 4% of cases were cleared that way compared to more than 40% in 2017. I asked LMPD how many 2019 rape cases were cleared by exception for any reason. And this is where it gets interesting. As of March, less than 10% of cases have been cleared by exception. This same time last year, nearly 30% of 2018 cases had been cleared by exception. So the police didn't just change the terminology, as they told the committee. It seems, based on the stats they've provided, that they're also leaving a higher proportion of cases open. Which may mean it's less common for rape victims to ask for their cases to be closed than LMPD has suggested. LMPD spokesperson Lamont Washington didn't respond to an emailed question about why a higher proportion of cases are still open this year than last year. But one thing is for sure. Going forward, we'll be able to tell how many rape victims are actively asking the police to stop investigating and how many cases police were clearing for other reasons. Lauder announced another change that was inspired by the story. LMPD is creating new training for patrol officers who respond to sexual assault calls. The night Jen reported a rape to LMPD, you might recall, six police officers responded, crowding into her hotel room. One of them, Officer Jeremy Wright, asked her repeatedly how much she'd had to drink and told her she was hysterical. Out in the hallway, he told his fellow officers, We get these a lot too in the hotels where people get Probably have more than they should have and invite people back to their room and then they say they got raped. At the hearing, committee chairwoman Jessica Green told Lauder exactly what she thought about Wright's behavior.
0: The initial officer interaction with this victim, I I said it to you and I will say it publicly um, without hesitation, that my impression of that initial interaction, it, it was horrendous. When I interviewed Lauder in October, she said police officers are humans,
1: and it sounded like they were comparing notes. She took a different tone with Green.
3: We know when we are communicating with victims of sexual assault and victims of trauma, we have to remember that our words matter. And I think that in this instance in particular, we can do better.
1: She said LMPD is creating what she called a groundbreaking new training for patrol officers. The Southern Police Institute at the University of Louisville is helping develop the training, which will educate patrol officers on how to interact with victims of sexual assault and other forms of trauma. Lauder said it will be a three-part video training starting in April, and they're also developing in-service training that Lauder said should start in 2021.
3: So that's still all really early in the works, but we are really excited about it. And I think that, like I said before, I think that we can do better, and I think that training is the best way I know how to do
1: that. The other change Lauder announced was also inspired by Jen's story. Prosecutors will now be required to submit documentation showing when they decline a rape case. In the most recent episode of the podcast, I highlighted a disagreement between the police and the prosecutors over who actually authorized the clearance of Jen's case. The police said the prosecutor declined the case. The prosecutor said she never did. Lauder dismissed this as a miscommunication.
3: At the last screening of the case, the detective was told... We need this one more lab test. If that test does not yield results, then we're not going to prosecute it. We're going to decline it. So the detective, in good faith, upon this verbal agreement, gets the test back. The test results are negative, and she closed the case.
1: Assistant Commonwealth Attorney Christy Gray didn't respond to a request for comment. Committee Chairwoman Green said she requested that the Commonwealth attorney's office send someone to the hearing, but no prosecutors attended. But when Gray and I emailed about this issue last month, she didn't portray it as a miscommunication. She was adamant that she'd never made a final decision to decline Jen's case. Lauder said they've put some changes in place so that won't happen again.
3: We have had multiple discussions with them since then, and the agreement was to prevent any of these further miscommunications that they will now have to submit to me and the detective in writing their choice to decline prosecution on a case so that there are no miscommunications.
1: All of these changes are important. Officers will get more training. Prosecutors will have to leave a paper trail when they decline a case. Police will be accurately noting the reason why cases are being cleared by exception. But none of them get at the central question of the story. Why are so few rapists being arrested, prosecuted, and taken off the streets in Louisville? Lauder once again floated her personal theory.
3: You know, that article that came out when it it skews information and prints statistics in a picture that's simply not true— It hurts us. That's not what we want. I I worry how many victims read that article and chose not to come forward because they believed what was presented as fact, which was not.
1: I was sitting behind a row of survivors when Lauder said that. These are women that did come forward and participated fully in the process, and many still saw their cases declined. Based on their body language alone, it was clear they didn't buy that. Neither did Chairwoman Jessica Green.
0: I definitely appreciate your, your, your perspective, but I think that there is also a perspective of, of at least that victim in that particular story. I have not talked to that woman. I have not met her, but I think her perspective was was valuable, and I think that her perspective should be honored, and it should not be, be discounted. Um, and I think that if there's even a perception that somebody felt dismissed or... Less than or unworthy, we really have to, to do a job of looking on the inside and trying to figure, make sure that that doesn't happen again.
1: Not all of the Metro Council people were as concerned as Green. Mark Fox, a 34 year LMPD veteran, asked Lauder repeatedly to expound on why rape cases are so difficult to investigate and prosecute. I mean, obviously, there, there's false reporting and there's legitimate reporting. Mm-hmm. But even in the legitimate cases, these things become very long, lengthy, challenging investigations. Green brought the hearing to a close by summing up the changes that Lauder had announced. The new training, the new procedures, the new
0: policies. And I appreciate um, the adjustments that that have been made because that tells me that you want that unit to be the best that it possibly can be.
1: These hearings are a controlled environment, a tight one-hour block of usually polite back and forth. City lawmakers ask questions. One, maybe two representatives from whatever agency answer them. There's no public comment or audience participation.
0: But once it's over... Any other questions, colleagues? If there are none, this meeting stands adjourned. And thank you all for being here today. Thank you.
1: Suddenly, the survivors who had sat quietly through the hearing were free to try to speak to the people in charge. They swarmed the police at the front of the room. But Lauder didn't stop to speak with them. Hey,
0: excuse me, hi. Thank you very
3: much. Can I wait? you Uh I I'm being summoned over this way.
1: My colleague, Jake Ryan, followed the police out and tried to get some answers. We're not talking anymore, Jake, so we're not doing any what, comments right like new? We're, we're not with talking new, anymore. Jake, we're not gonna
0: give any so this, statements uh, have at all. You don't have to with this new category The thing you should
1: know about Jake uh, is that he's pretty persistent. LMPD spokesperson Jesse Halliday responded to some of his questions as they went down the stairwell to exit the building. The numbers you use for comparison all do include sex assault cases. Those numbers are not just rapes.
2: The number that we use?
1: All, yes. We well, okay. you use your data, though. Yeah, and you didn't represent it accurately. Well, why didn't you say that during the interview? We did. You well, you didn't, though. Yes, we did. Okay, excellent. Nice. Many of these survivors and their loved ones are pretty persistent themselves. Back in the chamber, Jen's 18-year-old niece, Zoe Pappas, shared her story with the only person left, Councilwoman Barbara Sexton-Smith.
0: Really quickly, if I could tell you, I'm the niece of who the story is about, and she was never informed that her case was closed.
1: Zoe's been with Jen through this whole process. Zoe's was the only number Jen had in her work phone, so she was the first person Jen told about the rape that night.
0: It's just hard to watch because something is not right here there shouldn't be a paper saying prosecution declined. And
3: then we can't figure out if it is or isn't. It, this should just not happen.
1: With an appropriations hearing about to start in the council chambers, the survivors moved out into the hallway to ask Green about when they might have a chance to speak publicly about their experiences. But at that moment, Green was in a conference room talking to reporters.
0: Well, I'm I'm happy that um, some changes have been made. Uh, I, I don't think that Numbers lie, I, I, you know, I think that um, there was some attempt to kind of deflect kind of what the numbers say or to to blame the, the media for some, some of uh, the messaging that's gone out. But the numbers are real. Green's a former domestic violence prosecutor. She said she didn't
1: like all the talk about victims who don't want to go forward.
0: My experience was not that the vast number of victims were asking cases to be tossed to the side, and the reality of the situation is, is just that even if a victim <laughs> asks for a case to be closed, look, these are crimes against the Commonwealth of Kentucky. These, this is the Commonwealth of Kentucky versus a defendant, and not just taking the easy road of saying, well, I've got a victim that is hesitant, and so I'm just going to get rid of it. So I don't really like that idea too much.
1: She said she doesn't foresee any formal oversight action from Metro Council, but she, at least, plans to keep a closer eye on how LMPD is handling these cases. Green said she was open to hearing survivor stories about how the agency could do better, and she hoped LMPD would do the same. But if any of them were interested in hearing from the survivors who attended the hearing, they didn't show it. The women stood in a small huddle outside the chambers, talking amongst themselves. They were, as a whole, disappointed. Here's Jen.
2: It was... Extremely inaccurate. <laughs> um, I thought there was a lot of falsehoods, there was um, a lot of defensiveness, and I heard a lot of discussion about we care about victims, but there were a row of us sitting right there. And I think we all would have raised our hand saying we feel differently. Zoe shared what she would have said to Lauder if given the chance.
3: Your video training, I'm sorry, Lieutenant Lauder, it's not gonna do shit. You need hands-on training. All of them need to be trained again. That video call, hearing your officer right respond like that is truly embarrassing. You should, I don't know how you're okay with that being out to everyone.
1: Heather Richards also attended the hearing. Heather reported to LMPD in 2017 that she was raped by a man named Pablo Cano. Four other women also reported to the police that Cano had raped them. Kano was an LMPD officer at the time of the accusations. He later resigned. And when they have the opportunity to take accountability, admit their failures, and promise to do better, they don't. They blame the media. They blame the victims. I can assure you that not that many victims are saying, I I don't want to go forward with this case. Some do, but in my case, We were begging to go to trial. We wanted the truth to come out. But there was no trial. At the hearing where Kano accepted a plea deal, the judge asked him to admit to having, quote, non-consensual sex with all five women. He did, but nonetheless was charged with and pled guilty to five charges of sexual misconduct. He was also charged with possession of child pornography, which was discovered during the investigation. He was sentenced to five years in prison. More than two years after she reported, Richard said she was given only a few days notice that Kano was actually going to be charged and allowed to plead guilty on the same day. She said she and the other women who reported Kano never felt heard by LMPD. They need to talk to us and see how do we feel, how could they do better in their jobs. They're doing a disservice to this city. Other survivors said the same. They were not satisfied. They had more questions. They wanted better answers. They didn't care about statistics. Their personal experiences were all the evidence they needed.
2: We are still sitting there without our perpetrators being locked up. That's what we should have talked a lot about today, was what are we doing now for certain cases. We talked about why the media um, encourages rapists, apparently according to some opinions. But yet, how is Lieutenant Lauder making sure rapists aren't currently walking around on the streets of Louisville. I did not get a good answer to that.
1: I had more questions for Jen, but she was done. She'd sat through that hearing without saying a word as city lawmakers and the police discussed her and her case. She'd supported other survivors and answered my questions that afternoon and for months prior. Jen had originally agreed to speak with me in the hopes that her story would change something that maybe a hearing just like this one would be called. She'd hoped for accountability, for clarity, for answers, for herself, and for every victim who'd ever reported a rape to LMPD. In her eyes, she'd gotten none of it. She couldn't bear to be in City Hall, in Louisville, for a moment longer. Without another word, she left.
2: DIG was reported by Eleanor Klivenoff,
0: edited by Kate Howard, and produced by Laura Ellis. Jake Ryan, Alexandra Kanick, and Amina Alahi contributed to the reporting. Kojin Toshiro created our theme music with assistance from Ryan Marsh, photos by Tyler Franklin, and illustrations by Carrie Neumeyer. We received support for this project from the Solutions Journalism Network. A nonprofit organization dedicated to rigorous and compelling reporting about responses to social problems. Special thanks to Katherine Winter, Erica Peterson, Ashley Clark Thompson, and Jonice Franklin. See the photos and documents behind
1: the story at kydig.org. From the Kentucky Center for Investigative
0: Reporting and Louisville Public Media.
1: My name is Keeley Sorensen, and I'm the Vice President of Victim Services at Rain, the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. The National Sexual Assault Hotline
2: can be reached at 1-800-656-HOPE. The goal of the National Sexual Assault Hotline is really to help survivors and their loved ones learn more about sexual violence
1: and take the next steps that they feel ready to take in their healing journey. What we want people to know is that if you or someone you know has been affected by sexual violence, please consider reaching out to the National Sexual Assault Hotline. We operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week, both online and by
3: telephone.